0: Welcome to PB&J, this will not be televised podcast, to inform and enlighten listeners about physical health, emotional health, the US healthcare system, and to promote confidence and empowerment to navigate the challenges of achieving total wellness.
1: We are your hosts, PB and Jay, that's me, Mm -hmm. to guide listeners through topics based on our personal experiences, information from research articles, and common acceptable practices in our society. We'll be talking about things that you won't find on mainstream media, but we think are important for everyone to understand. And so to let everybody know, we are not healthcare professionals and we don't play healthcare professionals on TV. Listeners should consult their physician for specific medical questions and guidance before implementing any findings into practice. So what are we gonna discuss today, Pam? Ah, today's episode is about the second largest organ in the human body, the liver. So before we go on, I have to ask you, what is the first largest organ in the body?
0: Good question. The the skin is the largest organ in the human body. Um, A lot of people don't even know where the liver is located on on their body. And so um, let's just start off by finding out the location of the liver. So the liver is located on the right side. So if you feel on the right side, of your body, where your stomach is, you're going to find it right uh, on top of the of your abdomen, which is right on top of your stomach, just below your rib cage. The liver is about the size of a football. And actually, it has about the same color. It's like a reddish brown, and it weighs about three pounds, or for my UK folks, uh, 1.5 kilograms. What is important about the liver? The liver has about more than 500 functions, some well-known, and some likely unfamiliar to people, to most people. Uh, The liver does several things. One thing it does is processes glucose, which is more or less sugar. And from the uh, bloodstream, it stores it in as glycogen, uh, which is in a form of energy, and it converts it back to glucose as is needed. So it's almost like uh, having gas in your car, You know, the thing is, your car is not going to run without that gasoline, but at the same time, when you pump gasoline into the engine, it actually goes to different places. One thing is to make everything run smoothly, and this is almost something like what the liver does. Uh, It also stores vitamins and minerals. It stores significant amounts of vitamin A, D, K, and B12, as well as iron and copper. And it also resists infection. It's like a filter. Uh, If you have like, uh, if you think about a coffee maker, I guess I I can explain it that way. If you think about a coffee maker and you put your coffee in in a filter before you put it in, in the coffee maker to make sure that the grounds don't get inside the coffee that you're drinking. Well, liver acts like a filter. It has a filtering process and it removes bacteria from the bloodstream. Um, it also regulates amino acids, you know, people talk about amino acids all the time, I really don't know what amino acid is, actually, amino acid produces uh, produces what they call uh, proteins, that's, that's our way of the body is able to, pro- to produce proteins, um, and it dep- it's dependent upon these amino acids, and so What it does is the liver makes sure that the amino acids levels and the bloodstream are healthy enough. And then more importantly, it cleans toxins. The liver kind of breaks down all those harmful substances that come into our body. Everything that you put in your mouth every time, every time you drink, every time you eat, actually it has to pass through the liver. And so the liver breaks down harmful substances and it produces what they call bowels which is a digestive liquid that goes into the intestine, and it leaves the body as actually poop, you want to say it as it is, or feces, and the blood is filtered out through the kidneys, and it leaves the body in the form of urine. Also, the liver regulates blood clotting. So if you catch yourself And if you didn't have the function of the liver, it would be impossible, virtually impossible for you to stop bleeding. So it actually regulates the blood clotting. And believe it or not, you know, you get on the scale and you see a little weight gain. Well, guess what? 96% of your liver is actually water. So, you know, some people say, oh, I'm carrying around water weight. Well, a lot of it may be located in the liver.
1: So, Pam, I have a question for you um, because... A lot of time to hear about people getting organs removed, uh, and they're okay. I think one of them is uh, the spleen, and the other is the gallbladder. Mm. Um, people can survive with, you know, without both of those organs. Is that some? Is a liver something that we can live without?
0: No, unfortunately, not. The liver is one organ that we cannot live. A human cannot live without. Now you can live without a partial, because you've heard of people actually having part of their liver removed. But there's a little bit of magic that comes with the the liver, and it basically allows itself to, it can actually regrow and regenerate itself and actually function very well with just 25% of the liver. And so if you ever are thinking about donating your liver, don't panic, don't be worried, because they only take a small portion of the liver or part of the liver in order to to transplant it into someone else, and then it goes through the process of regeneration or regrowing, so that both the recipient and the donor actually can function very well. So, but the, you know, the thing is, one thing we have to do, no matter where we are, whether we decide to donate or not donate, or or keep our liver, there there are certain things we need to do in order to make sure that liver is is healthy and functional, and some of the common drugs that could Adversely impact the liver, and the thing is, I have been surprised myself in doing this research that there are some drugs out there or vitamin supplements that are out there that actually could damage the liver if not taken accordingly. One of them is acetaminophen, which is in Tylenol and Nyquil, and it's it's a non you know both of these are non prescription drugs, and to relieve pain and and uh, fever. And they're harmless, basically, if you take them according to the prescribed directions. However, uh, if you take excessive amounts or have an overdose of either of these, either Tylenol or NyQuil, you actually will, because of the acetaminophen, will actually cause uh, liver failure. So let's talk about NyQuil a little bit more. Because like NyQuil has an added chemical in it um, that could potentially kill us. So kill the liver as well as kill us. But uh, it also contains a drug. It's called dextromethorane. Thorphane, I'm sorry. And it consists of about 70 medications to relieve coughing, stuffy nose, Sore throats, fevers, sneezing—the whole nine yards. You know, people kind of live and gravitate towards Nyquil because it's always a quick fix if you're not feeling well. Well, one of the things about—I'm gonna call it DXL—is that it it actually is widely used and in, in by teenagers or and drug users because of the fact that it gives you that same mind altering effect as some of others illicit uh, or illegal uh, drugs. And so there's always the possibility of an overdose. And, you know, because people are using as as part of a a recreational drug because of its convenience and how easy it is to get in the drugstore, um, that actually that can cause severe liver damage and kill you. And then I was, this is what surprised me. When I was doing some of this research on the liver, I noticed turmeric. Now I am—I've been a strong proponent of turmeric because I know of its its properties for anti-inflammatory, uh, as well as some of the other benefits of, as well as an antioxidant, um, and the effects and the effects that it has on the body to treat digestive problems, including diarrhea. And, and liver disease, but the thing is, low doses are, are really good, but I heard a story, it actually was a, a program that was in, and one of the coaches was saying that she puts turmeric on pretty much everything. Now, that may be a little excessive, because turmeric recently, uh, recent research has found that Too much turmeric actually uh, has been linked to uh, liver failure, acute liver failure. The other thing is iron. Same thing. It's a multivitamin, uh, but at the same time that any high doses or intentional overdoses or or accidental overdoses of any sort of of iron, people usually take iron for, uh, for deficiencies like anemia or, you know, uh, they feel like, okay, iron is probably what I need right now. So they'll end up buying supplements that will give them that iron boost. But yeah, it's pretty much safe. But if you, any high doses causes severe or serious toxicities. And it's one of the components in which you can have complete or acute liver damage.
1: Hey, Pam. Yeah. So I just to talk about uh, the whole iron thing and even the Mm -hmm. turmeric. Um, When my dad, uh, who was ninety one when he was living with me, um, I noticed that he had anemia or he was diagnosed with anemia, and uh, they did not uh, prescribe iron for him. And I think it's because you know at ninety one his organs were so sensitive that any introduction of iron or any other kind of something in large quantities would surely have a, a, an impact on the elderly. So it sounds like, you know, based on your research, that it, some of these things are even more impactful if someone is elderly or they've got comorbidities that you know, would make their, um, their physiology even more sensitive.
0: No, you're absolutely right. You are absolutely right because some people can't take certain vitamins because it may have an interaction. Like turmeric may have an interaction with some other, uh, some drug or prescription drugs that somebody may be taking, as well as any other vitamins. You know, the thing is that people have a tendency of of reaching for the first thing because they heard it in a in a newspaper or. Just like with COVID, and I hate to bring COVID up because we're, we're always, you know, that's all we hear, but, you know, a lot of people ran to the drugstore and actually got, you know, supplements of vitamin D, and they were actually double dosing on, on the vitamin D. And so, you know, the thing is, just because you feel like you need something or that, that you require some supplement, first consult your physician you know, and find out and then talk to the pharmacy because physicians don't know everything, but talk to the pharmacist and they'll know exactly what drugs that you're taking as well as any interactions that that may happen if you take a supplement. So we always tell you, Both me and Jay always tell you to to seek the the advice of your healthcare provider or pharmacist in this case and find out, you know, is it okay or is it safe for me to take this if I'm taking certain drugs? And and they'll be able to provide that information to you quickly. And it's it's better to trust that of a a healthcare provider. So, yeah, so it's possible, Janine, that, you know, your dad, because of his age, And because he was, you know, older, uh, just like my dad can't take certain things, like I give him a multivitamin, but it's a low dose multivitamin. It's for people specifically over the age of 50. Um, And so that helps him uh, to make sure that he gets, because also, you know, a lot of these vitamins we can get in our foods, but as you get older, you know, people don't eat as it's almost like reversion. So they revert back to their, you know, to to almost like childhood. Not eating as much, you know, vegetables or, or whatever you disliked when you were younger. So it's you know, it's always good to to follow the advice of your physicians and not go mm-hmm. beyond that. That's a that's a good good observation, though, Judy. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Not everybody on this call is you know, a young spry individual and really need to know, you know what are some of the possibilities that could happen as, as we begin to age. Another one, another vitamin, <laughs> which I was also surprised was vitamin A because uh, vitamin A actually uh, is usually a uh, a vitamin that basically people take uh to uh for any disorders like skin or lesions or, or bone or immunity. And so it's one of those vitamins that is recommended uh by a lot of physicians. Uh but there's you know if as long as you follow the the amounts, the recommended dosage on the package, you're good. But any higher doses of either vitamin A or as we said, um you can you can actually have really bad adverse effects, if especially when it could cause liver damage or jaundice or enlargement of the liver or spleen or hypertension or even cirrhosis. So we really have to be careful. The recommended dosage of vitamin A for adults is 700 to 900 units. And for children, um, it's really 300 to 700 units. So like I said, always go by what the doctor tells you, as well as the recommended dosage that's on the package. If you're not seeking the advice of a healthcare provider, just follow the dosage and you'll be fine. And so there are some things, there are some things that we can do to maintain a healthy liver. And and so as we, not only uh, as we age, but even currently, now that we can do to avoid having liver problems in the future. And one of them is to avoid illicit drugs, like you know, you know anything you're gonna get off the street because of the fact that there's toxins in this, and the liver's function is to filter out the things that are harmful. And so the, the liver has to almost work constantly, fluently in order to, when you're doing illicit drugs or legal drugs, yeah, it always has to work constantly or or, more, has to be a more aggressive in its its filtering process in order to get rid of those harmful substances. And the thing is, if it's working that hard, there's a possibility that it's not going to be able to filter as much and, and it working that hard. That's why sometimes it's good to rest the liver, allow the the liver to rest. And how do you do that is basically, you know, you could do uh Like in my case, I do like a 16 hour fast, which means that I only have a small feeding window during the day, but 16 hours. And remember eight hours of that sleep uh, that I don't eat. So I may stop eating dinner at 5.30 and I won't eat again until 9.30 the next morning or nine o'clock the next morning, depending on. So it's a little bit of flexibility. Um, I'm not saying go 16 hours, because you can go as little as 12 hours to allow your your liver to rest. So think consciously about your liver and what it's doing and how hard it has to function in order to sustain you. Another thing is, of course, alcohol. Everybody knows alcohol can cause cirrhosis. What it does is that, you know, the, the liver is able to break down you know a moderate amount of alcohol but anything excessive will definitely cause damage and a regular exercise um just doing a regular exercise can promote not only a healthy organs throughout the body but including the liver and then of course eating healthy foods um to to reduce the risk of of a fatty liver disease and you know healthy foods that means not fried foods plenty of vegetables fruits uh, Things that you know that you should be eating that they consider in a healthy diet. So things that you need to avoid is just basically those things that, that could cause havoc not only to your liver but you know weight gain. Weight gain can also be uh, you know cause other problems throughout the body. And then to avoid practices that could subject you to Hep C. Now Hep C is a virus that spreads when you come into contact with blood that's infected by other per- people you know, hep C, yes, it can be cured. However, it's it's often like there's no symptoms associated with it. It's like asymptomatic. So it could be a very serious, um, it could develop into a more, more serious chronic condition if you do have hep C and it's not diagnosed quick enough or fast enough. Uh, some of the things that you know, that you can avoid, of course, the sharing needles, syringes, or any equipment that injects drugs. Um, about six, just some, some general information about 6% of infants born affected to mothers will get hep C. Um, those are women who are actually affected with hep C, though so this is just transmitted from the mother to the child. And people can get uh, infected even in a hospital environment, especially if. The healthcare professional is not using taking the proper steps to prevent the spread of airborne inject infections. And so somebody can get it because you've heard people talk about, you know, um, I had Hep C because I was in the hospital, you know, well, if there wasn't proper protocols put in place. for people to avoid getting infected from hep C, then yeah, it's possible to happen. I'm not saying avoid hospitals, not all hospitals. You know, it's a rare, it's rarely does that happen because especially now, uh, the hospitals have such strict protocols with contact and the way they're handling equipment and, um, you know, drawing blood and, and doing exams that I wouldn't worry about it. And of course, safe sex is more common for with men having sex with men. Um, And so that's one of the common factors. And one of the other things you can do for yourself is actually get vaccinated against Hep A and Hep C, especially if you're traveling, you know, because um, as well as diseases such as malaria, yellow fever, which actually grow in the liver. So you have to be really conscious of what you're doing.
1: So so Pam, if, if someone thought that they had a liver issue, depending on what the symptoms are, uh, what kind of doctor would they try to find to, to figure out you know, what, what's going on, if anything is going on at all?
0: Okay, my first and best advice here is basically start with your general practitioner or an internal medicine doctor because they can actually you know, do some tests that could, could determine whether there's actually some toxins in the liver or uh, the liver is enlarged, or there's jaundice or some of the other things that are associated with liver damage. Um, And then you may be uh, referred to uh, a gastro, from your primary care physician, Maybe referred to a gastroenterologist or a hepatologist, uh, depending on the circumstances. Also uh, from from our research, there, We know that insurance uh, process insurance-based medical referral processes are different for each insurance. so it's not guaranteed that your doctor will refer you to uh, a gastroenterologist or a hepatologist, and if they don't, um, you can always request that they do. So in essence, here's summary, it's basically the, the, there's never too late to actually start doing something to help your liver, because the liver itself, we talked about this before, is this, this magic. And actually, if damaged, it can actually regenerate or regrow itself. And so that's to function well. And it's never too early to maintain a healthy liver by doing things that, for a lifetime, by doing things that are are good for the liver, that, that will create a healthier environment.
1: Thanks, Pam. That is some really good information. Uh, You know, something that doesn't normally come up in regular conversation, you know, talking about your liver. Although as you get older, I think the conversations (laughs) may start to focus more on on health issues. It seems to happen as you get older, you start talking about health things. And so um, in the beginning, we talked about how the liver was the second largest organ, how the skin was the first largest organ uh, of the human body. And so I want to talk about liver
0: spots.
1: (laughs) So, you know, what in the heck is a liver spot, right? So you're talking about liver, I want to talk about liver spots. So (laughs) again, if uh, uh, those who are listening are in their twenties or thirties or possibly forties, they probably have, no liver spots on their bodies, I'm guessing. Uh, it's one of those things that comes with aging and in fact, they are called age spots. Mm. Um, they do not have any connection to your liver. although they might look like the same color as your liver, they are they, they have zero connection to your liver. Um, so the Mayo Clinic says uh, the age spots can look like cancerous growths. Uh, They don't need treatment, but they are a sign that your skin has received a lot of sun exposure and it's your skin's attempt to protect itself from more sun damage. So what happens is the spots are like collections of melanin, not melatonin. We're not talking about sleeping here. We're talking about melanin. And so that's increased pigmentation. So they usually are tan to brown. And if you're a person of color, they're probably darker than that. Uh, but you could probably see, based on your skin color, that it's a darker part of your skin that is normal. That does you know, wasn't there before, but it is now. Mm-hmm. And so those spots occur on the skin that that's had the most sun exposure over the years, such as the back of the hands, the tops of the feet, the shoulders. I can attest that they uh, are on shoulders, um, on arms, on my forearms. I have lots of uh, age spots myself.
0: Yeah. Wow. Um, so how does the person know whether a spot on their skin is actually a liver spot or it could be something, some type of significant like skin lesion, like, um, you know, like skin cancer or some other type of lesion that could be more serious?
1: So, um, you know, getting away from self-diagnosing, your best bet is to go to a dermatologist. If your insurance option um, allows that. Some insurance, just as you mentioned before, um, everybody's insurance is different. And so you may have to go to your general practitioner and be referred, or if you have the option to, to go to a dermatologist directly, but they're the ones that are the experts in skin health. They're the ones that can examine uh, spots and determine whether it's an aging spot, a liver spot, or other some other kind of lesion that uh, needs to be looked at further. Okay. Sounds great. This is good information. Yeah, not that not, not the most exciting uh, topic, but
0: well, no, because, you know, the thing is, you know, I, I can see on my own skin that I may have a spot here. A spot, and, and believe it or not, Janine, um, you know, and, and this I don't know if this is true with white people, but I'm a black woman and I have actually white spots. I have like two or three white spots as well as, you know, maybe some dark, dark little spots that, you know, so I I never knew, you know, whether even that was aging or it was just discoloration of the tones of the skin, you know?
1: Right, and so, you know, if, if you have, like me, if you were in the sun a lot as a child mm-hmm. and as a teenager and you had a series of burn events, which I did, uh, it's, it's probably a good idea to go to a dermatologist annually to get your skin checked. Um, I know that uh, people of color also stay out in the sun. So it's probably not a bad idea to go to a dermatologist, no matter what your skin color is, um, because it's one of those things that a lot of, well, especially on your back, uh, you can't see what's going on in your back unless you're, you know, looking in the mirror. So uh, better safe than sorry. And uh, for people who have had years of sun exposure, like I did, uh, it's really a good idea to to get that checked out. If you see spots, or if you see different colors, if you see a, a different um, shape, if it you know looks worrisome, uh, just a good idea to keep a check on that. And also apply sunscreen, at least SPF 30, every day, and every reapply every, every two hours.
0: So uh, let me ask you. Um, could you talk about uh, Blacks being in the sun. So should people of color actually use sunscreen? And also, uh, what is
1: SPF? So, um, yes, everybody should use sunscreen. It's just a good idea for everybody to, to use sunscreen. And so uh, the FDA defines SPF as a measure of how much solar energy, UV radiation, is required to produce sunburn on protected skin. So that means if you have sunscreen on and relative to the amount of solar energy required to produce sunburn on unprotected skin. So as the SPF value, so if we say 30 increases, sunburn protection increases. So um, you could see if you go to the store, they've got SPF 15, SPF 30, SPF 45, SPF 50. And so, you know, the higher the SPF, the more protected your skin is going to be, but you also have to take into account things like perspiration. If you're in the ocean, you're in the pool and it gets washed off. So you may have to reply it more than every two hours.
0: Mm.
1: Okay. Good to know. Yeah. So, you know, the sun, uh, uh, the worst part of the sun or the most uh, damaging time for the sun is between 10 o'clock in the morning to two o'clock in the afternoon. Those are when the rays are most intense. And so if you can wear protective clothing, uh, whether it be a hat or scarf or long sleeve shirt, sunglasses, um, by the way, your eyes can also get sun damaged. I don't know if anybody knows that, but uh, I say that from personal experience because I asked my ophthalmologist uh, what the deal was with the white parts of my eyes. And he said, uh, it was sun damage and there's no reversal of that. There's, there's no way to, to make the white parts of your eyes white again, if they are sun damaged. Yeah. Wow. So, no. yeah, so it doesn't matter. Even, even if you're dark skinned person, uh, mm-hmm. if those, if those UV rays are getting to your eyes, uh, it does, you, you know, people of color have whites of uh, their eyes too. So right. uh, there's that's still right. a potential there.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. And then, and it's funny because of the fact that, you know, there's so many eye drops out there now to make your eyes brighter, whiter, you know, uh, over the counter. But with, from what you're telling me is even if you use those, those uh, actual eye drops uh, for white eyes or clear eyes or, whatever they call it now, doesn't mean they're going to have any effect if you actually have some damage to your eyes.
1: And that's correct because I've tried it.
0: Ah.
1: <laughs> I've actually tried those those drops to see if it had any impact and it had zero impact. Right. So, yep, you really have to protect your skin and your eyes from those harmful rays. And so, uh, this article that I was reading uh, from the Journal of Clinical and Aesthetic Dermatology, this is from 2016, uh, this article talked about the aging differences in ethnic skin because I've always been curious. You know, there's there's uh, those those cute saying, you know, black don't crack and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, people think that uh, people of color have more beautiful skin. I personally think that they do uh, than white people. Um, and especially as you get older and you start seeing the wrinkles and the and the uneven skin tone uh, it's, it's even more obvious um that you pam my friend are very lucky so uh, in this article <laughs>
0: thank you <laughs> except, <laughs> for time. The, except for the eye thing
1: <laughs> yeah except for the eye thing yeah well you know if you wear if you wear sunglasses in the sun or you still wear sunglasses that's a, a good way to go but this art ultimately. This article talked about, um, you know, regardless of your skin type, everyone complains about dark spots and uneven skin color. Um, and whether uh, you're Asian, whether uh, you're African American, uh, whether you just got, you know, somewhere in between, um, everyone has a different view of what beauty is. Everyone has a different view of, you know, what the perfect skin looks like. And Pam, as you and I were talking earlier. Uh, people of color, uh, there was a, a trend there when they wanted to have a lighter skin so they would try to bleach their skin. And then the white people who want to go out in the sun and get tan. Right. So it's, you know, again, one of those things where you want what you don't have. Um, if you have straight hair, you want curly hair. If you have curly hair, you want straight hair. It's, it's you know, the same kind of thing. But I can tell you as a white person, um, the, I, I regret all of those things that I did in my youth to get that, that tan that supposedly made me look healthy. Because I can tell you, looking in the mirror now, (laughs) the wrinkles have found me because of that sun damage.
0: Wow. So, you know, when, when I was growing up, you know, my parents, as far as I can remember, and many of our black elders would actually tell the children, especially if we were sitting out in the sun, somewhere for, you know, a period of time to get out of the sun and sit in the shade. Now, as children, we didn't question why. And so to this day, I don't know why they told us, you know, but we did what we were told. And the thing is, is it's part of probably part of the reason why I don't necessarily like basking in the sun or being in the sun for long periods of time, because I've never I I grew up in an environment in which I was, you know, we were kind of restricted from actually sitting in the sun or basking in the sun, you know, because we were always, though, go sit in the shade, you know, for whatever reason. Still don't know to this day. I have nobody around to even tell me or any indication of of what it was doing. So let me ask you, so now that, you know, as a white person, uh, do you go out in the sun now or do you go out when... You know, I know you said you went out a lot when you were younger. So, you know, what are, what is kind of like the first tip or tool that you use when you do go
1: out? So uh, that's a good question, and I can tell you, I'm I'm as white as I have ever been in my life, <laughs> and I don't go in the sun. Um, I don't go to the beach. I don't I don't have a a, a lounge chair. Um, and I don't own a bathing suit, so wow. <laughs> that gives you an idea. Oh, that's how... amazing! That's
0: amazing, <laughs> Jay. Because I know the location of, of where you reside, and so you're pretty much like me. We're we're pretty much near a beach somewhere, yes. you know, with yes. some water somewhere. Yes. So yeah, so that's kind of difficult, you know, to kind of isolate yourself, mm. you know, especially because you were younger and you went out in the sun and, you know, but you saw the effects of it. So I think, you know, at some point we all have to be, have that same type of consciousness that you have, you know, to say, you know, what is, is it worth all of this? Is it it worth
1: me doing that? Well, yeah. And your parents were smart to tell you to stay in the shade. My parents, not so much. Um, (laughs) So uh, (laughs) for whatever reason, I, you know, maybe, I don't know. I don't even I can't even guess, you know, why they wouldn't have warned me like your parents warned you. Um and I,
0: I can't like I said, I can't tell you why our parents <laughs> warned us so often.
1: Well, they were smarter than my parents. That's all I have to say. <laughs> about
0: that. They knew something <laughs> that I didn't know, nor <laughs> did they share the reason why. This is, you know, this is this is the life we we've been subjected to.
1: Well, I would say you know, just, uh, you know, as we, as we all, uh, as, as all of our races mix together and we become one big, well, we are already one big melting pot, um, you know, the, the attention to skin is going to have to be universal. And if anyone is listening to this who they're in their 20s or 30s, and they think that sitting in the sun and getting that beautiful tan is going to make them look healthy, well, give it about 20 years and you'll be changing your mind. So wear your sunscreen, wear your long sleeve shirts, wear your hats, wear your sunglasses.
0: We'll do so. We'll do so. Good tips, good tips. Now I'm gonna be more conscious. I'm gonna go online and, and get me some uh some UV protection sunglasses as opposed to the ones just because they're pretty. You
1: know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Not the ones yes that that. Are just
0: pretty, but yeah. Yeah, because yep. uh, that that UV protection is is actually more important now than than I ever had even realized so yep good idea with that yeah so here it is we're at the end of our podcast uh if you enjoyed this podcast then please join us again for our next discussion remember this will not be televised until then be well be safe take care of your liver weigh your sponsoring. Wear your sunglasses and do what you need to do to remain healthy.